Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Some 2,000 years ago, a young Jewish man died on the cross on the top of a hill outside the city of Jerusalem. His last words, according to John's account, were three. It is finished. Strange occurrences happened before Jesus made that proclamation. For three hours prior, the sun was blocked from shining and darkness began to show itself from the noontime hour until three in the afternoon. And after those three words were spoken, before sunset, after Jesus died, a Pharisee by the name of Joseph from Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus and was granted that request by Pontius Pilate, the governor. 600 years before that, Isaiah prophesied that the servant of Yahweh, after suffering, would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Jesus was taken down from the cross and was placed in Joseph's new tomb, cut out of the rock, which he purchased himself. That's what you do when you're a rich man. And it was near a garden, along with a colleague by the name of Nicodemus, who was also a ruler of the Jewish council, who, by the way, did not consent to the crucifixion of Jesus. Along with Joseph, Nicodemus wrapped the body of Jesus in a long linen cloth and then placed aromatic spices on that body, They had the tomb enclosed as a large stone was rolled across the entrance. Later, the Jewish officials asked Pilate for a favor out of fear that his body would be stolen by the disciples and they would be able to say that this man rose from the grave. And so Pilate granted their request and Roman soldiers guarded the tomb along with sealing it with the Roman seal, which if it was broken was penalized by death, execution. On the third day, early before dawn, as the Roman soldiers guarded the tomb, The gospel says, an angel of the Lord descended from heaven like lightning and rolled the stone away from the entrance of the tomb and sat on it. I love that part. And the soldiers fell to the ground as if they were dead men. Now, if I would have been that angel, I would have said, It was all I could do to not kill you all when you crucified him, but five, four, three, but they're better than I am. Many different exciting accounts of what took place after the resurrection are mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a great read, by the way, for a Sunday afternoon. 
Three to five years up the road from there, there was a young Jewish Pharisee by the name of Saul from Tarsus who had a miraculous life-changing encounter on a road entering into Damascus, Syria, way up north above Israel. And from that moment, over the next 30 years, Saul, also known as Paul, begins to unveil to us pull back the curtain for us as the Holy Spirit guides him to do like no other ever did or has. The mystery and meaning behind what happened on the cross, in the tomb, in the upper room, and why, the call upon the 12, the call upon the first century, and the call upon churches and the body of Christ from then until now and until Jesus comes back again. In one of those statements, Paul explains what it all means, and that's where we're going to look today in the tomb and you. He says in Colossians, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Let me stop right there for a second. People believed in Jesus they repented and believed and decided to follow Christ and usually were baptized immediately. Not like maybe someday I might or six years later or I'm still praying about it 30 years later or by the way, pastor, I'd like to get baptized but I don't want anybody to see. Can you like have a special secret baptism for me? F.F. Bruce writes that no apostle or no believer saw water baptism as an optional extra in the life of a true disciple. Just thought I'd throw that out there in the modern day church. Nope. People were proud to be identified with Jesus publicly in water baptism. Paul goes on to say, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. In other words, Jesus died for us, but we also died with him. Jesus was buried for us, but we were also buried with him. Jesus was raised for us, but we were also, if we're believers, we were raised with him. Do you find it a struggle to see yourself as a new creation sometimes when so much of the old you seems to still be found? Don't we all? I don't know anybody that hasn't said, you know, secretly, honestly, even after all this time, I, I still feel like I go there. Do you carry the battle and the burden of self-accusation? Self There's the word. After two cups and I still can't find that word. Do you carry the burden of self-accusation or the enemy's accusation or condemnation even though you're walking by faith? 
because of something, some things that seem to haunt you from back there or you thought that was the last time and there's been another time and ten other times and the devil was on you about it and you're on you about that and you long to know the peace and joy that God promises us in Christ. Does anybody in this room or you know, maybe the people that really need the Lord that are watching and didn't come today, um, you know, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Me too. Yeah. What does it mean to be buried with him? What does it, what was buried with him when he went to the tomb? Who was buried with him? And why do we seek the living among the dead so often still? And why are we so pulled back to the memory of when we were the walking dead. That's what I wanna talk about today. And so Lord, we just come before you and we don't have anything to offer these people, but we have everything to offer them when you use us. And we come to the word of God today and we do not have anything apart from what you give us. We ask that we'd have ears to hear, hearts to believe and receive, and that the enemy who is bound and has power has been broken and disarmed, that would be the reality in this room today and everybody that hears and the, the, what we've been singing about in the breaking of the bread of the word would be actually uh, brought into being today because faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the living words of Christ and we know your word is breathing and it's living and even if there's only a, a speck of light or a speck of hope today in people's lives that are here, Lord, or, or, or those that are ready to just get out of the boat and walk on the water, regardless if they're from that end or the other end of it all, Lord, we just pray that you'd be glorified and you would you would just honor your word with the accompanying signs. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. The life of faith must include an understanding of the tomb of Jesus because the tomb has to be established in our life um, as a place uh, that we can point to as a transition place but never as a permanent residency for the new you or the new me. You and I were dead, but then you and I came to life again when Christ was raised from the dead. My new life and your new life comes from the dead place, but doesn't dwell there. So I want to talk about the tomb and you from Colossians chapter 2. Paul says, then God made you alive with Christ. And we weren't even born yet, but the transaction took place. For anybody that would be born and would believe and be born again, the then is right there. Then God made you 
alive with Christ, for he forgave, I love this next word, all. All our sins, man. You know, there's a lot of sins that I don't even know I did, but then there's some others I know I did, and I'm glad that word all is in there. Man, that's enough to just shout right there. He went and got them all. He got them all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And he canceled the record of the charges against us. Come on. And took it away by nailing it to the cross. I see a pirate fan here watching the game yesterday. My man, Andrew McCutcheon. Sorry if I talk about the parts a minute. In the 10th inning, 102 mile an hour fastball comes in high, letter high, and Andrew nailed that thing and hit it in the bleachers in the left field seats in St. Louis, Missouri. He nailed that thing. Jesus took the record of the charges against us, took it away, and nailed it to the cross. Christ and I died to sin on the cross. Christ and I and you were, our sin life was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea with Jesus. Christ came out of the grave and out of the grave clothes, and I in Christ came out of the grave. You in Christ, by putting faith in the mighty work of God, came out of the tomb, raised to new life with Christ. That means death cannot hold the sinless Son of God. Anyone believe that? But you know what else? Let me ask you if you believe this with as much passion. Do you know death cannot hold sinless sons and daughters in Christ? You say, well, Pastor Tim, I'm not sinless. Positionally, you are in Christ. Death, none of death, not just physical death, death's domain separation from God, the darkness that comes from it, the oppression, the demonic dominion, all of that death, none of it can hold a sinless son or daughter of God who are in Christ. And I love it goes on to say, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. A death with Christ, a burial with Christ, and a resurrection with Christ that's waiting on me and on you before I'm even born. And when I'm blessed to be able to hear the gospel as a, as a child or as a teenager and the, and the presence of God is hovering over my life so I can believe what I hear. The power of the gospel powers my life in a way that I die to sin, that it, my past is buried, and I come out of the tomb with Jesus, raised into newness of life. We're talking about not just the cross, but the crossroad to the tomb today, the tomb and you. It reminds me of the Lazarus story. The Lazarus story. On the cross of Jesus, 
we were factored in. In the tomb of Jesus, we were factored in. When he rose from the grave, we were factored in. And next week, when we talk about him ascending to the Father's right hand, listen, you and I were factored into that. So it all started, like in Lazarus' case, it starts with a death. Jesus says to the disciples, it's good for you and for everybody else that I'm not going to heal Lazarus of his sickness. We're going to let him die. His death will be for the glory of God. God wants our death. Yeah, our physical death, but our death to sin to be for the glory of God. So the Lazarus factor in our life means that there was a real death. There was a real death. It's a death that we start in. It's a death. There is a death certificate with your name on it that's time stamped, whether it was 28 AD, 26 AD, but somewhere there uh, when Christ said it is finished and he died, you died. Have you ever watched one of the shows where the, where the guy is in the ER and he's trying to save that person's life and he just won't quit and he's like, charge, boom. It's nothing, boom, flatline. And he keeps on going, charge. And he just, he just want, does not want that person to die and he gives everything he's got to the point of ex exhaustion and they start calling doctor whatever, doctor whatever, doctor whatever. Finally, he has to, time of death, right? You, you know that? You've, have you watched that before? Have you watched it? And, and the, I've seen it before when all of a sudden it goes boop, and it comes back on. they're like, ah. But no, no, no. We don't want our old nature to go boop, boop. No. Time death, death certificate. Keep your baptismal certificate. Show it to the devil. Keep your funeral card. Not just somebody else's, your own. Because there has to be a death in order for there to be a life. In Lazarus' case, the Lord waited four days to make sure everyone knew Lazarus was stone cold dead. Because he wanted to raise him up. Our uniting, our uniting with Christ in the, in the tomb is not only a death, it's a wrap. You know when the show's over, they say, it's a wrap. They took Jesus' body and they wrapped it in a linen cloth and put a headscarf on it. But when they looked in the tomb after he rose, the, the grave clothes were there, but then interesting, the headscarf was folded up and put somewhere else. And when John saw that, he believed. It was a wrap for you and me. We were wrapped. In other words, Christ in his death and the wrapping in the tomb, our old life was wrapped up. Our old sin self-life was wrapped in the grave clothes of Jesus Christ. And when he came out of the grave, he left his grave clothes in the tomb and he left your grave clothes in the tomb. And he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, do you and I. It's a death, it's a wrap, but it's also a res. And the resurrection of our life is in two parts. 
We were raised up with him in that, from that tomb. When the stone rolled away, he rolled yours away. He rolled mine away. But it's two parts. Have you ever just watched the first season of something and thought, it can't get better than this? And then someone says, well, I'll watch the next season. You're just like, well, I haven't had time. They're like, trust me, dude, dude, dude. I'm, trust me, trust me. I know, I know. I can't believe how good the first season was. But listen, the second season, you are not going to believe. It's so, it's crazy good. It's way better. And it's hard to believe that God raised my, my sin dead soul up to newness of life. And I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I could be. But thank God, I'm not what I used to be. And neither are you, hopefully. But the sequel is going to be better than the first season. And the Holy Spirit says, trust me on this. Blessed are those who are a part of the first resurrection. Blessed are those. When John the apostle on the Isle of Patmos saw the marriage supper of the Lamb and the first resurrection, he was so blown away by it, the angel that showed him, John got down on his knees and started worshiping the angel. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses, you're out over your skis, John. No, worship Jesus. But he was so overwhelmed by all that John could say was, blessed are those who are going to be at that. The sequel is greater than what he's already done for us. Man, come on. So what we're saying about the tomb and you is that the old you and I died and the new you and I can live. So let's see how this plays out in the Lazarus story. Because the Lazarus story is a picture of what's going to happen with all of us. It's what happened in season one. And it's what will happen not only for Lazarus, but for everybody in season two. It says in John 11... Of course, when Jesus gets there and he has a conversation with Mary and Martha, and then he begins to approach the tomb, and John says it like this Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. He wasn't angry at Mary and Martha for their questions. He wasn't angry at the crowd that said, Couldn't this man who loved this brother have raised him up? Helped him, healed him. He wasn't angry at the mysteries. He wasn't angry at the people. You know what he was angry at? What he's always angry at. He's angry at death. Death was never meant to be in the human condition. We were meant to be made and walk in dominion and unalterated relationship with God Almighty as royal sons and daughters, as kings and queens on the earth, bringing glory to God by living in full dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. Uh, we don't even have any idea. But Jesus, the Son of Man, comes into the world, and he is in the world, and he is seeing death. He's walking through dead streets with dead people. And he's angry at death. He hates death. When he arrives at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance, and he says this. He still says it. He says it every time someone gets in the pulpit. He says it every time you go to your job. He says it every time you walk into your place of employment. He says it every time, whenever you wake up in the morning, he says, roll the stone away. 
Roll the stone away, he told them. But Martha said, the dead man's sister protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days and the smell will be terrible. Every now and then, we need, to, we need to remind ourselves what we smelled like before Jesus came into our life. Next verse. Then Jesus shouted. I love the passion of this. When Jesus, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, can you imagine? Lazarus, come out. And I love this. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes. Think of that. He comes out. I was telling uh, Lazarus Wharton, the, the future theologian, downstairs this morning, and Duke and, and Zorin and all them, I said, when Lazarus came out of the grave, he was all wrapped up, so he probably had to hop out of there. And they went, no. Like they always say when I say something, no. So he was probably hopping because he was wrapped in grave clothes and his face was wrapped in a head cloth so he's got a hood on he can't see out of it I mean there's a little comedy to that I think right there's a little comedy to that and then Jesus says this I love this and T.D. Jakes did King James Version I don't have up there but just so you know it's not the T.D. Jakes Jesus said, loose him and let him go. T.T. Uh, wrote a book on that, really good book, by the way. And I, or the New Living says, unwrap him and let him go. See, we have risen with Christ, and he left his grave clothes behind, and he wants you and I as new people in Christ unwrapped. He wants us unwrapped. And he wants us to come out. Lazarus, What? Come out. Now look, if anybody needs to come out in today's culture, it's the sons and daughters of God raised up in Christ Jesus to show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, who called us out of death into his marvelous life. If there's anybody that needs to come out and come out the right way, it's the resurrected sons and daughters of God. That's who needs but we don't come out snarky, and we don't come out snobby, and we don't come out with a satanic pointing finger of accusation. We come out showing the praises of God. Mm. But it's unnatural for a resurrected woman and a resurrected man to live in newness of life wrapped in grave clothes. It's not, it's, it's not natural. It's not God's best. And the reason why we need to be unwrapped when we're resurrected is because of the next passage you're going to see. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Many people began to believe in Jesus when they saw a resurrection manifestation out of another human being. An unwrapped man 
Who, the man who was dead was now alive. I love that. You may not be a theologian. You may not know Bible verses, but you can say what the blind man said. I was blind and now I see. Or like in The Chosen when she says, I was one way and now I'm another way. And the only thing that happened between that way and this way was him. Come on. Many of the people who were there believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. We're not called to sway people politically. We're not called to change morality. We're called to present Christ because when people believe in Jesus, Jesus takes the dead and makes them live again. I'm not sure where Lazarus was on the political spectrum when he came hopping out of the tomb. Might surprise you, he might not have been what we are. We assume so? Well, David says he, David didn't talk about that. You know what David said? He said, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction. He set my feet on a rock. He put a new song in my mouth. And many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's right. This explains why our enemy contests us. Look at your neighbor and say, he's only halfway through. This explains why our enemy contests us. Verse 11, I mean, verse 45. I heard somebody just say that pretty loud over there. <laughs> Speak loud, bro. Here's what the Pharisees said when they heard about Lazarus. If we allow him to go on, Jesus, if we allow Jesus to go on like this, soon everyone would believe in him. Here is why he contests you and me. Because if he allows it, God might use you to raise up other people. It's important not to just talk about the cross. It's important to go to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. So the enemy counters with these kind of arrows. Put on the whole armor of God, right? Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the devil. They're, co they're compared to flaming missiles. You ever see the medieval battles in the first, where they, they set their arrows on fire and they shoot them? Because it's not just the arrow it hits, it's the fire that ignites where the arrow lands. And so the devil with his words into my mind, into your mind, and the culture set up to match mind with mindless minds is not only to stick but to burn it in. So the enemy's arrows, Satan says this, your death is fake. The Jewish leaders said, 
seal the tomb because that liar said in three days he'd come back to life. So we're afraid the disciples are going to fake a resurrection. And the devil's been saying it ever since. And even if you've been saved, born again, washed in the blood, you know, there are, and we'll get there, but there's part, you know, it took, them, it took God one night to get Israel out of Egypt and 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel and not all of us all of us you know, who have had conversion experiences how many of you know as I said and when I asked the question after all these years sometimes sometimes every now and then that old so when that happens Satan's all over that and says your death is fake you didn't really die to sin you, oh yeah you died to sin hmm. your, your death is fake and also your resurrection is staged you come to church and you sing rattle 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 you rattle rattle and on the way you and your wife are rattling and you get in here and say like, oh in Elijah's grave or whatever you and the devil and your spouse says your resurrection's fake no I'm just kidding just the devil is that staged we're just gonna wait for him to blow what is that anyway I think the prison uses up all our power it's all about location. Your res is staged, says the devil. Oh, if you could hear what he says to me between the time I get in here to get here and even now when I'm here. You faker. You ever heard him say that to you? Has he ever said it in your voice? He always says it in my voice. Your resurrection is staged. You're a hi hypocrite, Greek word, means actor. When we say hypocrite, we think people that claim it and don't walk it. Hypocrite, just you are an actor on a stage. It'd be like saying, you're playing a role. You're playing Christian today. Doesn't he say that? How do you contest that? How do you contest it? We have to fight him as resurrected. This is why we've got to walk to the tomb. This is why the tomb matters in the crossroad experience. We have to fight him as resurrected sons, as resurrected daughters. We have to fight as resurrected people against Satan's reprogramming, deconstructing the resurrection identity we have. Because listen, spiritually dead people can't fight from an overcoming position and grow in holiness. Only resurrected people can. And whatever identity we believe we are, that's the fruit we'll bear in the fight. We need, we need to meditate on our tomb time with Jesus. My neighbor that lives down below me, I don't know what she thinks, but I, I, I've got my robot friend uh, Alexa at different times of the day reminding me of things. At five... A.M., she tells me to meditate. I told her to tell me, and she is very cooperative. For what I pay for her, she should be. Um, then at 7, I have her say, Tim, believe in yourself. So the neighbor downstairs probably think, poor soul. 
you know what? I'm in a battle for my soul. We need to meditate on our tomb time with Jesus, and we need to take ourselves back to the place of our death and, and remind ourselves and remind Satan that old me is dead positionally. I might still have some residue that's showing up from time to time. I've taken that old dude of me out to the woods, kicked him out of the car, and before I get 10 miles back the other way, he's popping up in the back seat. Hey, I got an idea. <laughs> Why don't we go do something crazy? You know, you want to. Am I the only person here that was lost before he got saved? Anybody else? The old me is dead positionally. And by grace, my new life, my resurrection life is rising up. So they say rising up. So we need to fight back. But here's how we fight back. I was on a run yesterday. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, your holiness walk is not like playing whack-a-mole with your sin nature. Your whole Christian life, you got a mallet. Oh, anger, lust. While you're playing whack-a-mole, we're missing the mission. And the devil would like nothing more for you and I to think our devotional life is just trying to not sin as much today as we did yesterday. I'm living for Jesus, what's that about? I'm just gonna try hard to not sin. What a gospel. What a gospel. That kind of gospel will put you in the nut house. Some of the people in places, when you, do, un, when you unpack the layers, they were raised up in a law-centered, legalistic family and church that beat the living daylights out of their soul and only a miracle of God can break that band off them. That breaks God's heart. It's seeing ourselves in Christ. It's seeing ourselves on mission in a new fashion, in a new form, and we're being transformed by God in the Holy Spirit, and every angel and everybody in the cloud of witnesses is cheering us on to victory after victory after victory. Here's the truth. He made you new. That's right. So, I want to use three different uh, pieces of attire, clothing, that the scriptures show us. And if you have a couple minutes. The first is this. We need to see ourselves like Joseph in the Old Testament. That you have been given a a coat of favor by your father. A multicolored coat is the Hebrew when Jacob put this coat on Joseph. But you know what it was? It was a dream coat. How do you fight your sin nature? You don't. You know what you do? You live in your dream coat. What does that mean? Jacob had a dream, didn't he? God gave Jacob a dream when he was a player. 
He was even a player with God. If God will do this, I'll do this. His head was so hard he could sleep on a rock and sleep all night. God had a wrestling match waiting up for Jacob. But even before the wrestling match, he shows him a ladder that goes from heaven to earth. Then he wakes up going, I was in the house of God and I didn't even know it. God begins, he says, I'm the God of your father. And I promised your dad generational blessing, so I guess you're next. That's not what he said, but <laughs> I guess. And because of my covenant with him, I'm going to work on you. He's a ladder. Well, when Jesus calls Nathaniel to himself, and Nathaniel believes he's the king of Israel, he says, you believe because, of the, because I knew your name and knew what you were doing? You're going to see great. You're going to see heaven open and angels. In other words, your life is going to be like you're dreaming, but you're going to be wide awake walking with me. You're going to live in a dream coat. As a matter of fact, I'm living out my father's dream, and you're coming into that dream with me. And every resurrected son, daughter, everybody who died on the cross with Jesus, everybody that was buried in the tomb with Jesus, everybody that was raised in the tomb of Jesus, wears the Father's coat of favor, and it's a dream coat. We don't fight our sin nature and the devil by trying to whack-a-mole our sin nature and repress our natures. We live in the favored dream coat of God. Imagine going to bed at night what your dreams might be like if you feel like you're God's favorite son. Because you are, and so is every other son. And you are, and so is every other daughter. Because every one of us are in the beloved. So you live in a dream coat. If you knew you were that favored, how would you plan your future? Would you plan your days knowing, like Eeyore, the shoe's gonna drop? <laughs> Never know what's up around the band. If we could see, God help us, the favor on Jesus that the angels beheld, that's now been never earned, but given on every believer in Christ. How would we plan? How would we dream? Would we dream? What would we be imagining? What would we be meditating on? Tim, meditate. Tim, believe in yourself. How would our inspirations be? be? One of the most awesome things, you know what? While you're waiting on your dream to come true, one of the most awesome things you and I can do in this life is encourage other people to believe in their dream from God. You know how Joseph got to the final pivot point in his life? He was in prison, forgotten, falsely accused, and you know what he did? He went around in the morning and looked at people and said, why, are you, why is your countenance so low? And he had such a he had such socials. When you're in a dream coat, you do, even if they take the take it off of your physical body, they can't take it off your spirit. When you're in a dream coat, and he just started it. You know what? And they said, "Well, we had dreams, and we don't." He interpreted their dream, and it was the interpretation of another man's dream. It was not playing whack-a-mole and why me and victim. He was living in a fair, so he could see. 
and him doing it for others, finally, finally, the wine taster in Pharaoh's court said, ay, 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 I forgot. There's a young Hebrew man who has the spirit of the gods in him. Bring him to me. Imagine what God might do in, for the dream he gave me that I think isn't happening by me serving with the gifts in the dream coat to lift somebody else. It might be that while we're waiting for God's will to come walking in, me empowering somebody else in the will of God might be the way that creates a path out of no path. Who am I talking to right now? For the, I know, for the, it is. That was one of my fourth mile. And for the will of God, one of the great church fathers said, the glory of God is for a man to live fully alive. How about not only Joseph's coat? We have more, more fashion. Like the prodigal. He wore a heavenly coat. When he came back, the father said, I think this was Jesus' favorite story. The father said, bring out the best robe and put it on him. It's a festive robe because you know what? This kind of robe from God... The robe of righteousness triggers the band. When the older brother came in, he heard music and dancing. I don't have time to go into this more because there's more to say. But the third fashion statement is the coat of the sun. Paul says, he who believes in Christ, listen, has clothed himself with Christ. That's a powerful coat. How God clothed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the pressure of the dark one because God was with him. And God was on him. And you know what the Bible says? If we died with him, we'll also reign with him. The Bible said if we died with him, we will also live with him. Jesus said, wait in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So God wants to use us not only to lead people to the presence of Christ, he wants us to be led in the presence of Christ so he can bring the presence of Christ. Paul said if we bear the image of the first Adam, let's bear the image of the second Adam. The enemy does not want you to believe... We wait. No. The enemy does not want me or you to believe that you have the same Holy Spirit that Peter did. 
The enemy does not want you to, you got a minute? The enemy does not want you to believe you have the same Holy Spirit that James and John had. No, you have a pew sitting, seat sitting, Sunday morning sit in the seat, sing some songs, Holy Spirit. You don't have a breakthrough prayer that changes your school, Holy Spirit, in you. No, 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 no. The only way for God to move in your school is if the youth pastor comes once a year. The only way for God to move in is if you have the spirit of, like Stephen Furtick does or Pastor so-and-so or Apostle this guy or Evangelist Jimmy flip-flop, whoever it might be. No, 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 you have a pew sitting, sit there, underline your Bible verse, Holy Spirit. Look at this verse. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus. Jesus wasn't offended that they wanted to see Lazarus. The man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus and every Lazarus that's come along since. And notice who tries to kill it? The priests. That's a whole other ser sermon. The priests were Satan's puppets in the culture of the day. The leading priests, for it was because of him, Lazarus. Listen, it, this is not taking the glory off Jesus. This is how Jesus gets glory. It was because what happened in Lazarus. See, we do the Jesus, Jesus, the creeds, the past, the resurrection, the tomb, the coming. But here's the thing. But when you come out of the grave, and when you have a dream coat, and when you have a powerful coat, and when you, and then they say, then they say, People started deserting dead religion and started believing in Jesus because they saw the resurrection of Jesus in another man. And I love this one. Next verse. When Jesus, rose, when Jesus died on a cross, I love Matthew's account of this. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Wouldn't that be something? I'm, wouldn't that be something? I'm going to skip the last slide, Okay. I just want to say a couple more things. The devil will tell you, as he tells me, that you can't live it. It all sounds good on a Sunday morning by that guy up there who probably has all kinds of stuff going on. He's like, too blah, blah, you know. I was thinking of this, though. Here's what he'll say. That all sounds good but you can't have a first-class marriage because you're not a virgin. How, how, how dare you ask God to bring a godly man into your life when you don't have a godly past in your life? That's how he talks. How can you dream 
You don't have a godly family. You didn't have a godly family. Just smell the stench of your past. Faker. Resurrection stage actor. Oh, big praise. Big prayers. Oh, I see your Bible all underlined. Did you ever do the things you underline? You know who that is? That's him. That's him. That's how he talks. That's how he talks. There's a war going on, and a lot of the church hasn't even showed up for it. They're just getting their brains beat out. Smell the tomb. Scared to death that you'll believe that even with your struggling whack-a-mole, crying in the night, I'm sorry again, Christianity, that you hate and you know the devil convinces you God hates. He's not angry at death. He's angry at you. That's what Satan says. But you know what the truth is? You know what Jesus longs to do and every angelic warrior longs to do and everybody in the cloud of witnesses long to do? They are saying, dream in your father's coat. They are saying, God still has the music playing and the celebration hasn't ended as you're trying to walk out of and into. You're in grace. You're not in law. Don't go in the courtroom with the enemy. Your father is the judge and he has told you, you don't have to come in here anymore. Somebody's already paid your charge. How can you believe for miracles when you think you're robed in death? How can you have confidence before God when you believe that accuser constantly? And as long as you eat, he'll keep feeding. As long as you entertain it. See, here's what... The only way for the devil to get praise that he thinks is praise is to get me to say out of my mouth things contrary to the finished work of Christ in my life. He thinks that's the way he gets honor. He knows God loves you so much that if he can convince you that you're still a dead soul, the Father can't influence your life that's his game and Paul says so I pray that God will give you the Holy Spirit that opens your eyes to see the riches of his kindness to you in Christ Jesus that you've been raised up, not only raised from the dead, but seated at the right hand of God with Christ. Let's say it like this. You're a terrible basketball player. I'd like to say I was, but I was Anyway. No. Let's, say, let's say you're a terrible basketball player. And somehow, and this isn't real, this is just a, if you're making a movie, the spirit of Michael Jordan 
comes into your body while you're sleeping at night. And then you come to the next game and Michael Dang Jordan is in you. Does your vertical leap go up a few inches? I mean, you get to the fourth quarter and there's 30 seconds left and you're down two and your coach is gonna give the ball to, and you're like, whoa, 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 wait. Like Michael Jordan used to do. Uh, Phil, no. I got the ball. Isn't that true? I mean, is, that's funny, right? Imagine if we really believe that the Holy Spirit that was in Paul and Peter and John was in me and in you. Because you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God? Sure we do. We know, don't we? We all know it. It's underlined in every Bible we have. Even the Bibles that are stuck under the car seat that we forgot we own. It, if you find it, it'll say under, you have that verse underlined? Probably. But oh, if we believe it. Oh, if we believe it. Don't ever believe it. Just stay sitting in your seat. Do an audience thing. Be a connoisseur of podcasts. Listen to everybody, everybody all day long. Be pickled in sermons. As long as you don't walk in that school saying, I'm clothed in a dream coat. I'm powered in Christ's anointing. And I'm just looking to make a gate beautiful today. Come on, somebody. Would you stand, please? Would you stand, please? If, bow your heads, please. I'm sorry. My, my, my watch stopped working at 1030. <clears throat> and my glasses are here, so I don't know what they <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I thank you for your mercy. I pray that you would open my eyes to see that your death on the cross was absolutely, entirely all that the Father needed to say, paid in full, record removed, sins gone forevermore. I pray that for everybody in this room that struggles secretly and have prayed and they've washed their carpet out with the tears of sorrow over and over and over. Help them to know that you don't deal with us as our sins deserve, but as high as the heavens are above the earth. That's how great your loving kindness and mercy is toward those who revere and fear you. Lord, I pray for an awakening. I pray for an apocalypse of the grace and the goodness and the forgiveness and the love and the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit would be imparted to every struggling son, every struggling daughter, people that are shot with arrows, carrying arrows in like they've just come out of a battle in the wild, wild west. I pray, Lord, that they would know that the grace of God is greater than any wound that they carry in this place. And the and you would break that yoke off their life today. 
Lord, I pray for men and women to come into a new place of dreaming, the dream that you've put in their life. I pray for people to know that they're clothed in royalty by the great mercy and grace of God for a repentant heart that says, Lord, I agree. I agree with why you had to go to the cross for my sin. I agree that my life put you in a tomb, but my life died there with you, and you rolled the stone away that I could come out new in Christ, and I want to leave all the grave clothes behind in a step of faith today. If that's you and you say, I don't want Lazarus to be the only one, I want out of these grave clothes. I want you to lift both hands to heaven. I want you to lift both, even if you're, I, I want you to lift both, I want the grave clothes off me. I I want the smell of the past off me. I will not enter. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person to have faith to say out of their mouth, I will not entertain the accusations of the enemy. I will only welcome the good words of God's grace and the gospel, not only on my life, but on my family, on my household, on my son, on my daughter, on our church, on the generations yet to be born. We will see the glory of the God of God in the land of the living as the gospel now empowers and transforms our life. Lord, we actually believe today that the stone has been rolled away and the grave closer off. Lord, for favor to shower down on people, for dreams and visions and imaginations and meditations of heaven to come and be birthed in lives this morning. Lord, for people to actually believe that the same power that was on the apostles is on us. And Lord, let us go around interpreting other people's dreams and pointing them to the God of heaven. Let us go around believing, Lord, that our prayers reach your throne and bind the darkness of hell. Lord, let us believe today what we say we believe and let us walk in the pace of the Holy Spirit. Would you just say right now, Holy Spirit. Spirit, I welcome your ministry toward me, and I welcome you to minister through me. I believe that you're, I'm going to be able to hear you speak to me. I believe that you're going to guide me into the living word so that my life can be a living word. Say it. Because I'm washed in the blood, say that, in the name of Jesus, I put a seal on the effects of my past, on the effects of my parents' past. Come on, get mad about it. On the effects of my parents' past, I put a seal on the effect of the generations behind me. Say it again. I put a seal on the effect of the generations behind me because I died in the tomb with Jesus and I'm not walking out with grave clothes on. I'm walking out in my father's coat. Come on, say it, somebody. I'm walking out dreaming the dreams of God. Say it. I'm walking out in royalty. I do not think it robbery. To be seated with Christ far above 
all principality, come on, we might have church, all power, all might, all dominion. I want you to say it again so the devil can hear it. I do not think it robbery to believe that I am seated with Christ at the right hand of God, far above all power, all might, all dominion, and this brings great glory to my Redeemer because He died to set me in that place. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.